the Madcast. This is a podcast that strives to bring the church world and the art world at least a little closer together. My name is Matt Anderson. So glad you can join us today. Today is part two of my interview with Bill Wade. Bill is the founder and executive artistic director of Inlet Dance Theater, uh, which has been in existence for 19 years and he has a very unique perspective as a believer in Christ who is out in the midst of uh, the art community among uh, people that he would say are not yet believers. And I wanna get more into his calling and how that plays out in his daily life in part two of my interview with Bill Wade. Uh, So you, I mean, really being in the art world, Mm -hmm. um, you're with, there's there's not that many believers that you're aware of in in this world, <laughs> um, but for I know for you you would say I fit there more naturally than I would oh, yeah. in most churches. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, but what do you think for anyone who's mainly been in the church world their whole life? Can you describe what what that is like on a on a daily basis being a believer in the midst of this mission field? Yeah. So I mean I get that I'm an outlier. I get it. I mean, the world tells me that constantly because I'm an artist for a living. Um, and I, I get it even faster when I walk into churches. Once people start saying, oh, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I kind of like don't want to go there. But it's culturally one of the first things people, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Are you new here? Yeah. You know, what do you do for a living? I'm like, mm, I kind of came here to worship the Lord, but. You know, so there's that. Um, but what's interesting is once they start finding that out, then I'm like the unicorn in the room, what, or, you know, whatever pop culture phrase we're using now this week. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's weird because I'm put into social sit- situations in the, ch- in the church, large C, doesn't matter what denomination that I'm visiting or whatever. Um, I feel very much like an, very much like an outlier. I feel kind of weird saying it out loud. Yeah. But it's, you know, I've had long conversations with dear friends of mine who also do what I do for a living, and they none of them live here. So I get to see them maybe once a year um, about how we don't fit in the world because we're not of this world. And we actually kind of don't fit in the church because the church is behind in its education as far as performing arts is concerned. Yeah. And um, it's it's a weird place to be. I know that I also have the thick skin and the wiring. In, like we have this term, Mirkstapa, right? The, right. Uh, the outlier from Beowulf. Right. Um, there's a border couple of... Border stalker. Border stalker, yeah. Right. So I, I, I have this weird picture in my head of like, I'm one of those beings that was created to walk on that narrow path. And to my left is that land. And to my right is that land. And I'm the one that connects the two lands Mm. and it's interesting i was i was teaching there are a lot of christians who have become dancers in america now Mm. when i was the age of my dancers in their 20s and 30s um when i was that age i was one of less than five in the country and um it was a very lonely place to be and i had a lot of well-meaning christians who were that goes back to that 
you know, dance apologetics. Like I knew the Lord called me to do this thing. Mm. And I knew that my boss in the dance company footpath that I was in was no, not a Christian at all. She's from New York city. She was not a warm, fuzzy person. <laughs> she, you know, there's a lot there. Um, it was kind of brutal, but I also knew that God put me there and he was being very, very clear. And he was speaking to me through her, which was a weird experience. Mm. But then I'd always have to go home and like re- right. <laughs> open up the word and be like, is that really you? Yeah. You know? And then it was. But, but that makes sense because you were saying earlier that most of most of those seismic things that have happened in your life have yeah. come through the words of people who don't know the Lord. But that's because that's who you're around 90% of the time. Well, yeah, and that's who trained me. So, and it, what's, what's interesting is now we have this, it's a, we're, the world, you know, Ameri- the church in America is in a very different place. There's a lot of churches that have dance schools. They have like yeah. um, liturgical dance groups and things. And, and what's interesting because I'm in like, so I was teaching at a camp for these folks. They love the Lord. They use dance to in worship and, and, and these things. And there's a smattering of us. There's like, you know, 60 people there. There's a smattering of us who are in the industry of, you know, performing arts. You know, we're talking about the ballet companies, the major modern dance companies. That Those are my friends. And uh, we're the faculty. And um, it was interesting because we had a conversation. It was the first time, and I've been going there for years down to Houston for years, but we had a conversation where four of us sat on stools and each of the four of us have a completely different calling on our lives. Mm. My buddy Randall is a pastor and he's an ordained pastor. He's a choreographer. He has a dance company and they're all Christians. He is a missionary. He teaches for a YWAM. He goes to Kona. He goes to China. He goes to Europe all the time. He he is a missionary. That is his calling. That's the way his organization is structured. That's how they do what they do. These kids can dance. I mean, and this choreography is like mind-blowing. It's really, really good from an industry vantage point. Mm. I'm in the industry, you know, for a living, dancing for a living. Um, And then, you know, my buddy Steve is, he was on one of the other stools. He has one foot firmly planted in the academia world of dance, which is a completely different Mm -hmm. sphere of influence, Mm -hmm. but also one in the marketplace because, you know, he danced for Martha Graham for 11 years. So, um, and then, you know, another friend of ours, Laura, was on a stool and she's like this medical diva. Like she just knows how the body works from a scientific. So she's very academic in her approach. But it was really interesting, and I, we kind of try to describe to all of these students sitting on the floor, here's, here's him, this is his calling, this is what this looks like. And then I went, I was like, okay, I'm the guy, like if you went into an art, I was like, how many of you have never walked into a, like, a real art museum? And I was astonished and very saddened by how many hands went up, because all these people knew the Lord. Wow. And they've never been in an art museum. I was like, okay, that's kind of freaking me out right now, but... <laughs> That aside, imagine going into an art museum and you're looking at the sculptures and then they actually move and they come alive. Mm. That's my world. My whole world is there. And I was groomed for it. Like I always thought I grew up really weird and I didn't fit in, da 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 And then I, you know, I read this non-Christian book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers and all of a sudden the Lord was like, this is what I've done for you. And the Lord like asset mapped my entire you know, childhood and early adulthood and I, and I was like, oh, I, I get me now mm. in a way that I never did before. This is your plan all along. That's why I'm running this company. Duh. You know? And 
you know, and likewise for Steve and likewise for Laura. And it was, it was really, really interesting. We had a lot of people come up later and they were like, I understand now that and I was like, you know, in Hollywood is the entertainment industry, completely different part. Yeah, they're dancing, but it's a, trust me, it's very different than <laughs> right. <laughs> but God's got his people embedded there. Yes. I know a lot of them. And, you know, and I think that this reactionary kind of bunker mm. thing that we can do as Christians in America is actually any place that we abdicate, the counter kingdom's more than happy to mm. inhabit. Yeah. We need to stop doing that. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Um, can, you don't have to use names here. Can you give me an example just from from your life when you've been able to sort of bring the God thing into a conversation with somebody in the industry? Oh, yeah. You know, because to me, those are kind of <laughs> a lot of the golden moments that... Yeah, they're, they're really have. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes they spring it on you and they'll, they'll asking you a question. Yeah, I'm thinking of one specific moment. Okay. Um, <laughs> we were performing at an outdoor thing in Tremont. And um, it was a really bizarre week. There's a lot of, and it's in this neighborhood that's, you know, there's some dark stuff flying around that none of us can see with our eyes. Um, you know, we're all there, we're like praying, we're doing our thing. And um, I remember the producer of the event, who's a friend of mine, theater guy. Um, he was way back in the audience watching. We start performing and this huge storm comes in. I mean, stuff's blowing sideways and we're like one third of the way into the first piece, right? So we, you know, we were starting to perform. We were, I remember we were doing ballistic. Yes. And I, you were there. I was there. And, and I remember him coming up to me and because um, earlier in the week, you know, they, in the weather patterns, we were like, this could be, you know, this might not go well. <laughs> and we're like, you know, let's do this. And even an hour before we were like looking, we're like, I'm warming up the dancers and I'm looking at the sky and I'm like, oh. Yeah, because it had rained, I think, throughout the day. That day, yeah. and then it stopped, and the right. sun sort of came out. But then we live by the, you know, Lake Erie, so it's like, <laughs> stick around two hours, it's going to change, which is, and which is what happened. And he walked up to me, and he's like, I thought you told me you prayed about this. He said, it looks like your God didn't answer you. Wow. And I, look, I turned around and looked at him, I'm like, or did he? Hmm. And he stood dead silent. I'm like, I'm going to take my dancers to a restaurant down the street, I'm going to, I'm going to buy their dinners because they've worked all, it was the last event of our season that year. And that would have been a brutal, remember? Yeah. We had a brutal performing season and these folks were tired. Oh, they were. <laughs> and I was like, what I prayed, and I didn't tell them this, but what I actually prayed was, Lord, if, if you want us to do this concert, it's going to happen. If you don't, it's, that's what's going to happen. We started and the storm came and I'm like, there's my answer, you know, and I'm just like that guy. It's like, I'm fine living with ambiguity. I mean, the Lord spoke, you know, and, and this guy didn't like it. He did not like my answer either. Mm. But to this day, we're really tight friends. Mm. And he he's always looking at us with this like angle, <laughs> like I don't get these people, you know. So I, I run into that a lot where where somebody like you said, they'll come to me. We don't. Here's the thing. In our industry, people don't behave as Christians who are living out the love one another, you know, thing. <laughs> right. Um, that's just not what happens in my industry. So we it come always, in. It always cracks me up when Christians are surprised when non-Christians act like non-Christians. I know. 
that's like what they do. I'm like, that's kind of their jam. <laughs> that's their gig, yo. I mean, that's... <laughs> so when we come in and we're like this family and they, and they can tell that we care about each other. And even at the end of concerts, like in the lobby afterwards, people are like, oh my gosh, you can tell these people really care about each other. And mm. the topic of whatever the topic was on the evening. And sometimes we have several. And it's always interesting how... You know, people will hire us the first time, right, because of the skill set of the you know, company and whatever. And uh, But they'll hire us again, and they always point to who we are. Like right now, my emails are blowing up because, you know, as we're kind of re-emerging out of the pandemic, right. we're getting a lot of emails asking for help. Mm. And literally, dude, people from large institutions down to small ones that are emailing me right now are saying... I'm emailing you first because I loved working with you guys. I really miss you. I've worked with some others that didn't go so well. I can't deal with that on top of all of this pandemic stuff. I just need to work with people who are really good at their craft and are awesome people to work with. And that, I mean, they, they'll know that you are Christians by the love you have for one another. Right. And if you live that out, you don't have to hit people with the Bible. Right. You don't have to quote the Romans road or anything. Right. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Right. The, um, you know, I have to tell you that I think one of the things that and I was I was already a fan of the company from the first night I had seen them perform. But I, I think what really intrigued me and I, I wasn't even living in Cleveland yet, but uh, you guys had a special event on a Sunday afternoon hmm. called the Heart of Inlet. And we oh, did it yeah. at Chagrin Falls High School, I think. Yeah, the performance. Yeah. And there were some performances, but then there were testimonials. Yes. Of people who came up just yes. to talk about, um, you know, what inlet means to them. And I remember, uh, I, I won't name him, but somebody who is it's the same guy. I would say, <laughs> it's so funny, influential in in uh, yes, very. in the artistic world of Cleveland. Yeah. And he came up and he said that. Uh, and, you know, and this guy, I, I mean, I, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but not a believer. So No, no. I, could, I know that for a fact. Yeah. So, um, but he said, when I work with Inlet, I know I'm going to get two things. I'm going to get one of the best performing artistic companies mm -hmm. anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to work with the nicest people I've ever worked with. Mm -hmm. And... When I sat there and I thought, someone who doesn't even associate with the Lord Not has that kind of a testimony. Right. I just thought, this, there's something here. Yeah. This is where this is some someone who is penetrating a world of people who will never come probably to my church. So that's right, right, mm. um, <laughs> which is the point. Yes. I mean, that, that's they're not coming to us. We got to meet them where they're at. Exactly. And, and, and the Lord has given you the passion and the ability yeah. to do just that. associated with what may be the greatest moment in American sports history. But what if I told you that everything you thought you knew about the miracle on ice was wrong? What if I told you that there is another name, a name you have never heard, who should be mentioned in the same breath 
as the American Olympians. What if I told you that the Olympic semifinal against the Red Army turned on a simple ham sandwich? And what if I told you that our sports film series has officially run out of topics? 3000 for 30 presents the story of the 1980 Winter Games and Lake Placid's unsung hero. Not a defenseman or a coach or a forward, but an unknown concessioner who at the hockey arena may have unwittingly placed spoiled mayonnaise on a pre-game sandwich given to Soviet goalie Vladislav Tretiak. The almost unbeatable goalie was pulled after one period that night after giving up two goals. Was it bad luck? Did he just have an off day? Or were there contaminated condiments involved? 3000 for 30 tracks down the rumors, violates privacy laws, and hacks personal emails. We interview parking attendants, Zamboni drivers, ushers, spokespeople for the Kraft Corporation, anything to fill time in an effort to find out who may have spread the love toward the Americans that magical night in 1980. The answers may be as disturbing as the mayo. Do you believe in Miracle Whip? Coming soon to 3000 for 30. finding that by the way i am finding that among younger folks there there seems to be uh, younger christians i'm i'm seeing a greater you know a, yes, a greater I passion for wait there's more than one way to skin the fish and right. there there's there's a number of ways to do this kingdom thing mm-hmm. and so why don't i start with what i'm passionate about and what i'm gifted with mm-hmm. and maybe the lord can you and it may not now obviously god still calls people to be pastors and disciplers within the church yeah, <clears throat> which is the lord for that phenomenal yeah and I, I did that for a while but then uh but they're saying well it may not be in that building there there may be a different place for me. Exactly. And, uh, and, and so I, that's why I think what you do and what Inlet does is such a lighthouse for people like that. And actually internally in the studio, we talk about being, being a lighthouse mm. amidst the storm. It's like a thing. Um, it's also interesting that like, for example, I don't think a lot of people that are growing up in the church, for example, know the history of the architecture of the building that they sit in every Sunday and Wednesday night. Yeah. For example, that came from the theater in Greece. Huh. It's literally where it started because Greek, like ancient theater, was they, they would, because of, you know, most people were illiterate. Um, so you would perform, you would do these performances to talk about the gods or whatever stuff. And, um, and, you know, they had a lot of them. 
And <laughs> some people still do. Pick a um, god, any god. Yeah, just choose one that fits right. <laughs> kind of like now. Um, right now, we're just taking bits and pieces of different ones and creating our own. That's yeah. the same with postmodern America. But um, <clears throat> and so it's inter interesting, like this whole idea of the pulpit and then the people here. Right. Like it literally has architecturally, the history is in the theater. Mm. So, and now my whole calling is in theaters, but it looks different. You know, we're performing things um, that and we very prayerfully and mindfully think through making sure that what we're saying on this stage is coming from a biblical worldview, not even a cultural worldview mm. as like, you know, when people meet me, they see this middle-aged white dude. And, but that's not how I feel about myself on the inside at all because people don't know me, they don't know how I grew up. Um, and, and I want to make sure that it's not even culturally specific, which is why for me, abstract art is a little bit safer actually, because it's not necessarily culturally specific. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause then you get rid of the red, yellow, black and white of it all and the yeah, yeah. us and them thing. And yeah. you know, sometimes the dancers are painted, like you can't even, you know, can't right. tell. Right. So, um, it, I'm finding that, you know, actually being in the abstract art world it's a wide open field and people are hungry for solutions they're hungry for the connection that they see um which is you know why we have kind of a strong audience base right definitely uh, i'm sure from time to time you have younger folks who approach you and because <laughs> this is more you know even more than this is the whole you i'll put it in a very uh, economic term, you started a business. Yeah. You know, there's, <laughs> there's that whole thing. There's and, that. And, and so you'll have students who know all that about you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you ever have people approach you and say, I want to do what you do, whether that's a choreographer or whether that's, I want to start my own company or start my own oh, artistic yeah. venture. Um, what do you say to them if they ask you that question? Well, there's things that I say to myself when I hear that, and there's things I say to them yeah. later. <laughs> it almost isn't it funny. It's, all, it's probably almost how God feels in a way like, when know. we go to Him with our dude. Like God, I think I'm supposed to do a blah blah blah, you know. And and of course He knows all things, but there's probably a part of Him that kind of chuckles. Yeah, I mean, there's some like okay. I just I'm not going to name this person. I just got a resume from somebody who's like, I really like this company. I like what I see happening, and I have no idea what the you know if this person has a faith they follow or whatever, because um, that's not usually where it starts, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so this person is like, you know, I, I want to run my own company one day. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what you just said, I and the, I do. <laughs> I do the same thing. I'm sure. I do the same thing when people come up to me and, and, <laughs> and say, and I'm, I'm like, you better get a burning bush and yeah, an angelic visit. Throw a whole bunch of fleece out there and start praying for the morning. This It better be the Lord, because this ain't easy. No. If, so, my wife, on occasion, gets to a place where she's like, why, you should do something else for a living. And I'm like, if I didn't know that I knew the Lord was, like, I, this, at this point, this is about obedience. Mm. You know, I'm done, like, wrestling this stuff out. This is obedience. If the Lord tells me to stop and drop and roll in a new direction, <laughs> that's when I'll do that. But right now, I ain't doing 
on that. Like, I'm just, it's so much safer to just stay in the place of obedience, right? Yeah. Um, and and I, I wasn't when I was younger, and I learned the hard way. And um, so I, if this wasn't a calling, if I wasn't for sure, for sure, and I ask them all the time to, like, confirm it again, confirm it again. Because, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. stuff is rough, dude. Um, <laughs> so I just want to make sure that it's him leading. And as long as it is, I'm good. You know, I just, mm. it's not, it's, it's not easy. It is a calling. And I, I feel like younger people who have more energy and they kind of idealize or, 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 you're really good with words, like where they make up fantasy about what it could be like. And yeah, what do you call it? Romanticize yeah. what that is. And I'm on this other side, like, no. Yeah. Well, I think what appeals to them a lot is they want to be their own boss and they don't want someone else telling them what to do. Yeah, which, there's that. Which, again, that can be a God thing that he's given you. But you might have to work for somebody first just to almost realize. Oh, hello. That's the pattern, right? right? Look at scripture. It really should be. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> yeah. It really it should be. Oh, man. If you want to be. you got to learn how not to do it before you know how to do it. Well, absolutely. And I think that Which if you live down in the dance world, oh, holy dude. cow, oh my that's gosh. how you form your mission. Right. Yes. Right. Because you saw all these companies who were uh, who were using people oh my God. to elevate the genre of dance. Yeah. And people were expendable and they were just replaceable and it didn't matter. If you got hurt, you're out. We don't care about you. Who's next? Absolutely. Well, it's like the NFL or the NBA, right? But, sure. but without the cash flow. Sure. <laughs> right. Right. And you don't mind if you're a million millionaire and then you get traded and you got nothing. Right. But at least you got some, you know, some cash in the bank or whatever. Uh, dancers are just like broke and then you get broker, you know, <laughs> just, right. and then physically broke when you're older. Oh. Um, and it, it's rough. So it, it is to me, it's like if this is not a call it, calling, run the other way. Right. Do something else. <laughs> that I think that's that's so scriptural. Um it's almost, you know, the story in scripture, you think about the guy who walks up to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And uh, <laughs> the Lord starts to say, okay, well, and he starts to... Here's what we need to do. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and then the guy starts giving ex excuses mm -hmm. uh, on why he can't do it. Because, um, you know, you're absolutely right. There's a, a glorification of all that, but it really is maybe once every two years you get recognized for something and so what do you do in the other or 10 you know, 700, <laughs> 700 days yeah you know uh during those two years and you're right it, it absolutely has to be the lord thing because it, if it is the desires there and the passion is there as well oh yeah 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 because yeah. that's almost the only thing that takes you through it's also weird like don't you find that like there the lord will allow you to go to a place where you hate it and you want to give it up mm. Because, mm -hmm. especially for men, I think we take a lot of our identity out of what we do. Oh. Um, it's kind of culturally, it's not like necessarily our fault. We've been raised in a culture where that's like the thing. And um, what's interesting is there's, there's so many different times where I've gotten to this place with dance, like I need to quit all of this stuff. I'm done. I'm sick and tired of it. I hate it. But I had to get to this place where I was willing to put it on the altar and say, okay, what do you want me to do instead? Um, and those have been pivotal moments because the Lord gave the desire back to me, but redirected or redefined the how and the why, particularly the why first, mm. and then the what and how kind of follow that. Yeah. And But there's been some key significant kind of, you know, directional changes. You know, my career is like 37 years or whatever. I don't know. Mm. It's over 30 years. <laughs> there you go. And there's been some, you know, if you if you watched it, it was weird listening to you read, you know, 
you know, the intro. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh, it sounds like somebody else's life. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's interesting that you'll, you'll, as particularly as a creative, I think that we get so impassioned by what we're doing that every once in a while we may be called to, are you willing to put that on the altar? And you, you, you get to a place where you have to say yes and actually mean it. Yeah. With knowing, like, I might not ever do this again, and am I okay with that? Mm. As long as I can stay in the place of obedience. Those are really hard moments. But man, what opens up on the other side of that is... Well, you've just summed up, uh, because you don't, you don't know this. I've already recorded some podcasts. They haven't aired yet. But by the time they hear this, though, I'm doing a three-week series on identity. Oh. And uh, and this this summarizes it so beautifully. How funny! Um, and almost every great biblical character had moments like you were t- talking about. Oh yeah, they dude. wanted to quit. They yeah, were just this... like, "Get me out of this." Yeah, they're in there. I'm not. I am not the man for this. You know, whatever. And 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 so for anyone who is leading something, and that's pastors too, by the way. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, just to recognize how normal that is. I hope I hope you recognize how normal that is. And because mm-hmm. uh, obviously the enemy will play on that and say, well, see, you must not be called because look how you're, you shouldn't even be asking questions like that. Right. But right. really that, that is the measure of honestly great leaders and people who make differences yeah. in, oh, in, my in, gosh. in lives. Well, and also if you can like get yourself out of the way, mm. your ego, a little ego, mm. <laughs> yeah, um, the almighty me, which is in a, again, in American culture, that's like, you're going to have to battle that mm. at, at first, I think. Um, but I, getting the almighty me and my dreams and my vision for me and um, we're in the insta selfie world, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know what? It's not about you. Mm. You know, and it's like I hear, I, you know, I've read my bio because I had to like redo it for the website recently. <laughs> and I'm like reading it. It feels like somebody else's life. I'm like, yeah, I, I was at the White House. I remember that. I was nervous wreck. I, I do remember getting this award and, you know, whatever thing. And those were always used. I always felt really awkward because I'm like, why am I getting this when I know there's so many people involved in this thing that, you know, might be my fault because they started it, but, (laughs) but there's all these other people involved and it's like, well, okay, I'm going to say yes on behalf of basically the Lord and what the Lord is allowing me to watch him do through my life. And it's like, sometimes it feels like you're being used as a conduit, but other times it's like, if I'm honest, I feel like I'm, like you get this image of this conduit, right? Sometimes I feel like it's coming through me as a conduit. Sometimes I feel like I'm standing next to the conduit and I'm literally just being allowed to watch it happen. Yeah. I don't even feel like I'm necessarily involved. I mean, there's been some examples um, in the theater where, I was thinking about this, I don't know why I was thinking about this piece on the way down here. Um, We had this piece in 2008 when all the, you know, economics bottomed out in America. Um, So many people, Christians and non-Christians, lost their homes and their businesses and all this drama. And it was really funny because I had some very, very dear friends of mine who are really wise in the Lord, and they lost everything, and they were the most generative, giving people during everything that they lost. And it kind of freaked me out a little bit. They were on the board. And um, what was interesting is I, you know, I had to, like, work through that in my head, right? So I created a piece um, called Beauty Intention. And I didn't realize it because the dancers never said anything, but they're underneath this fabric that's stretching like almost the whole piece until the very, very end where they're using that same fabric as devices to fly in the air. Mm. And by the end of the, you know, the beginning of the piece, the fabric's really, really dark. And at the end, it's all white and, you know, a little trite, but um, it worked. 
Um, and I remember an opening night, I was still in my headspace of like trying to make this piece work and these moments and da da da. I honest to goodness, I was up in the, the sound, but you know how that sound booth is back behind the audience, right? And I'm standing up there and I'm like watching them go through this piece. And then the second it was over, there's like silence, which I'm used to because it's usually just us in the studio or in the theater at first. But then the audience like freaked out and stood up and cheered and it was like a standing ovation. I literally did for a split second forgot they were there hmm. and it kind of freaked me out. And we talked about it the next morning when we came back to the theater to warm up their bodies and they were so sore and whatever. And the dancers said, you know, that was a really bizarre experience for us. I'm like, we talk about the standing ovation. I'm like, yes, that freaked you out. Here's the thing that freaked us out. We've never seen the piece. We're under fabric the whole time. That put us in a trust situation with you as our leader that we didn't see coming. Mm. And I'm like, you guys never, we've been working on this for months and you never said anything. And Dominic was like, well, you're the choreographer and you've been doing it for a living for a long time. So, well, you know, just trust the man. He knows what he's doing. Mm. He gets standing ovations all the time. So, <laughs> you know, just because you can't see the piece doesn't mean the piece isn't working. And then I, I was like, isn't that like the Lord in our lives with us, mm. right? I was like, holy crap. Like I might not even be aware of how much, how much spiritual impact, not outputs, outcomes, but impact, which is much later down the line. Mm -hmm. um, in the world of nonprofit speak, um, you know, the dancers in my company are my impact. Sad, a lot of them have been with me for over 10 years. That's where you start to measure true impact, like for a church. 10 years later is the impact. Where are those people and how are they living their lives and how are they doing with the Lord and all of that stuff? So it's, you know, if you stick with your calling long enough and you just keep learning and you stay voraciously learning and listening, uh, live listening um, and allow the Lord to just morph you. Um, we are his art. We are his artwork made in his image. And, you know, I'm just doing that with their bodies in space. And, and it's interesting how if we really just stay inside of that and can keep ourselves out of the way, you'll have those. And that was one of those experiences where I felt like I was sitting next to the conduit. I wasn't even being the conduit in that moment. I hadn't even realized the dancers never even got to see the piece because they were underneath the fabric the whole time. And the audience stood up and it was like, oh my gosh, it was such a shocking, jarring moment. But it was such a solid word picture for me from the Lord to me and my life on my trusting him with this whole career path that doesn't make sense to people in the world. And it doesn't certainly doesn't make sense to people that are Christians because they don't do liturgical dance. I'm in the theater. You know, my work is is for Babylonians. Mm -hmm. Somebody literally said that to me once. I was like, mm -hmm. wow, that was very self-revealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bill Wade, thank you. Yeah, dude. It's great talking with it's you. Fun. Thanks for being here. Well, I hope you were truly blessed by uh, that interview. Just a very life-giving interview with Bill Wade. Uh, hopefully it's awakened some things within you or has just reaffirmed what God has called you to. We appreciate you being a part of the MacCast. Our music is by Sound of Fusion. We hope to see you again soon. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. If you want more info about our books or resources, go to mattministry.com. Thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time.